Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And uh, I tell you what, I've got nothing for you this week, really. Well, I've got quite a lot to say, but uh, I've got nothing. I mean, it's. I was standing outside today having a cigarette and a cup of tea, and I just thought to myself, God, we're 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 kind of in line for another two win season aren't we really that it really hit me today that uh, that is definitely on the cards and more than likely I mean obviously I hope hope somehow that we can pull out a, a win from somewhere but you know the the past two games that we played uh, were supposedly against winnable opposition and we've lost them both um, a bit dispirited today I would say uh, we don't have a guest uh, we, uh, I haven't got anything, any funny little jingles or silly little games to play. Uh, all I've got is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, you've all I've got. How about that? I don't think I've got anything else, son, either, really, after that game. I mean, I had to, yesterday, I think I had to, obviously at the moment, you know, difficult time for everyone out there, I'm sure, with, uh, the year we've had, but I, th- I had to have a few bottles of beer yesterday just to sort of get myself through that. To be honest with you, it was a, it was a tough watch at times, wasn't it? Oh God, was it ever? I mean, defensively, you know, okay, not bad, not bad at all. They made some plays. Um, special teams were terrific. I thought certainly the best game of the season by far. Yeah, but it was just like you just hoped that something could happen on offense even though i think deep down most of us were expecting that kind of display because how can you throw in a quarterback that's just come off the practice squad um and throw him into a game with like what maybe like two three days practice and expect timing and uh, and, and poise and reads and mental processing um, like like anywhere near Joe Burrow, I, I, I certainly wasn't expecting it. But what I was hoping, hope against hope, as per usual, was just like, oh, maybe, maybe he could just come out of the traps out of nowhere and cause a bit of surprise. Could you keep seeing these teams around the league that have injuries and whatnot, and they keep sort of producing performances, you know? And that's what I was hoping for yesterday. Yeah, you want to see some progress, don't you? You really, we've said that all year. You want to see some progress. We thought we were seeing some progress, and I think Joe Burrow was playing outstandingly. And he goes down, and immediately when he went down last week, the second part of that game was a complete blowout at the end. And fair play to the Bengals keeping it competitive. I, I don't, I don't really even want to say fair play because we weren't playing a good team yesterday. Um, I think that's worth noting, but we'll get to that. But and Colt McCoy, you want to see set again, and Colt McCoy as well. Blesses. <laughs> How many tweets did I see last night? Bloody hell! Is Colt McCoy still a playing and b alive? He's, he's um, done eleven years, Colt McCoy. Eleven years he's yeah. knocked about for. 
Fair play to the geezer. Uh, exactly, exactly. And he led his team to victory yesterday, which is a bit of an overstatement there. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I feel as though, Nathan Palmer, it's been a long week and it's a lot has happened without actually happening, if that makes sense. It's one of those strange weeks, really. Um, we mentioned Brandon Allen and it, it emerged by the end of the week that... Uh, uh, Zach had chosen Brandon Allen over Ryan Finley. Was that a shock to you, or was it kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense? I think it was a big shock to me, to be honest. I, I said last week on the podcast that I would give Ryan Finley the final six games and let us see what he's got. We traded up for him. We've only had him on the roster for a year and a half. He didn't have a preseason to showcase what he had. If he was the backup and was when we went through whatever camp there was this year or evaluation of talent there was, we said, look, this guy's our guy. We didn't go out and free agency and get anyone. We didn't draft anyone. We just said, we're happy here. He had half a game where, to be fair to everyone on that team, all the energy was gone. It's a horrendous injury to Joe Burrow, the life and soul of your team. He obviously didn't play well against the football team, but you've got to give the geezer a week's worth of preparation, like you said before. You've got to give him a week's worth of time to get up to speed learn who he's playing I know he would have known you know that's part of his job to you know be prepared to come into the game and stuff but I think to not give him a full start is is crazy I mean Brandon Allen's only been in the league a couple of years himself he had a couple of games where he played for Denver last year he had a completion percentage of under 50 percent it's not the most inspiring situation when a guy you traded up for is getting benched after half a game, if that, um, last week. I thought it was a bit of a head-scratcher, to be honest. And from what, to be fair to Brandon Allen, he didn't do a lot yesterday. You know, he did, it wasn't like he came in and really sort of lit it up and they really felt like they had a good player there. So I just, all round, you've absolutely destroyed any confidence that Ryan Finley's got. If I was Ryan Finley, I'd be like, shit, my time's up here. You know, I think that, yeah, it's I'm out. Of, I'm at a loss for words, son. I'm just I just feel a bit sad inside, to be honest. But I was yeah. To answer your question, I was surprised. I thought for whatever happened there, I would have gone with Ryan Finley. I felt you know we put some draft capital into him. He's he had a very bad team around him last year. I want to see his progression, and I think he deserved a chance. Interesting, because I I was kind of quite down with the idea of Brandon Allen starting. I just saw too many of the same things. Uh, in Ryan Finley's play last week against Washington uh, that I did last year. You know, he was holding on to the ball too long. He couldn't sense pressure. He had quite a weak arm. And yes, he was coming in cold. And so, yeah, I mean, it was surprising to an extent, but I think there was some logic behind the decision. And and by all accounts, Brandon Allen absolutely had a terrific practice last Wednesday when he, you know, 25 out of 25 or something like that. And I, do you know what? I saw a lot of tweets having a go at him yesterday. Uh, and, you know, the world doesn't revolve around Twitter. But, you know, we're all on it on Sunday nights, checking it out and and contributing to the discussion, shall we say. Uh, I didn't think he did too badly last night. Uh, obviously, it demonstrated the gulf, the absolute gulf in class between someone like Brandon Allen and Joe Burrow, who just processes things so quickly, and as you say, was getting nicely settled into the system, 
was starting to own that system a little bit, gets the ball out super quick. His accuracy was fantastic. And then to go back to someone like Brandon Allen, who tries really, really hard. Uh, and I thought, you know, when the, that first drive, eventually, when, when the Bengals' offence took the field, because obviously the Giants went down the field and scored, we came right back and scored that, uh, I say we, uh, Brandon Wilson scored that fantastic kick return. Uh, and then we stopped the Giants, and then finally that uh, the offence came on the field. And I thought Lee looked all right in that first drive. I thought, OK, he's come out. And what did surprise me, though, um, was that, you know, you expect a much more... For a new quarterback who's, you know, just walked into the, the room, I guess, for the first time um, in his Bengals career you would expect a much, much more conservative game plan, I think. And um, got to get the run game going. You know, you do anything to help out a new quarterback. And first snap of the game, it was empty backfield for, I think, four or five wide receivers. And it was like, right, wow, OK. They're being very, very bold here. Um, and they didn't really change throughout the game and that kind of surprised me a little bit in fact I was quite shocked that they didn't go much more conservative you know just to get him into some sort of rhythm they were just like right off you go you know yeah they, they were very they've been very aggressive for the offensive game plans the last few weeks in just that they want to throw the ball at every opportunity and if you look at the stats breakdown yesterday if you take out the Sean Williams special teams run which was a great play and we'll get to that Brandon Allen was dropped back to pass 33 or 43 times. 77% of the time, you're dropping him back. Now, he, he threw the ball 29 times. He rushed a couple of times himself. But apart from that, you've got Gio Bernard, eight carries. Trevayon Williams, one carry. Alex Erickson, one carry. Perrine didn't get one carry. And you look at that and you're thinking, God, this poor lad, he's come in there and you giving him the ball 30-odd times to throw it. He's having to scramble a couple of times, and he's being helped out with Gio putting mm -hmm. up 30 yards on the ground on eight carries. It's slightly perplexing that in that, you know, I don't know whether they just really don't think they can run the ball and they're not that interested in it, if they don't think they've got the personnel with Joe Mixon going down or they're still not confident in that line that changes every week. I don't know. But I think it's hard for someone like Brandon Allen to come in with hardly any practice. He's not been on the team for too long. Um, only a couple of starts under his belt to come in and be asked to drop back and throw the ball 35-plus times in one game is a big ask. Yeah, I thought that was a bit of a head-scratcher. And, you know, I, I am a lay person. I am a fan watching this. And, uh, you know, coaches know better than I I do. But it did did make me scratch my head last night and... It didn't seem like a game plan that was going to win that game, to be honest with you. And, you know, you have to maybe the counter argument, I guess, is that Brandon Allen, that's the system that he's been taught. That's the system he's been learning in Zoom meetings and when he has been on the practice field. And what that is the system that he knows in Cincinnati. So why not just go with it? But that doesn't account for the superior mental processing power of Joe Burrow. Uh, those sort of empty set and empty backfields and four or five wides, that's been something 
that has been incorporated from the LSU offense to suit Joe Burrow. Do you know what I mean? Not necessarily Brandon yeah. Allen. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, what what are they doing? <laughs> Do you know? No. And I'd love someone to come come and tell me because I say I'm I'm learning about this game all the time. And uh, but yeah, it just felt like an odd approach to it offensively um yesterday and you know once you do get behind a little bit um running the ball becomes a lot more difficult because you saw what the giants were doing they were stacking the box and trying to you know they did have some handy players on defense and they actually surprised me how good that defensive front was albeit against our offensive line they our offensive line had a pretty rough day yesterday um Jonah Williams didn't have a great game. I don't think that's the first time I think we've, perhaps since Baltimore said that Jonah Williams hasn't had a great day. Um, they looked a bit at sixes and sevens. And I just thought even with just a week, there should have been a much more kind of conservative game plan. Make it a lot easier for Brandon Allen to, you know, make his reads easier. Make... Yeah. Make, make it a lot simpler for him just to get him into a rhythm and get some confidence. And because I actually was impressed, you know, he can throw a football and that touchdown pass he threw to T Higgins. I thought he did really well because he was coming under a lot of pressure. He threw it off balance and threw it to T Higgins at the back of the end zone. And that was great. And you kind of thought, terrific. And occasionally he threw it into triple coverage. So <laughs> it was kind of... Six of one half a dozen the other really. But again, were we expecting anything else from from a guy that's just kind of had his first practice and first proper reps with the first team last week? Probably not. But again, I'll go back to what I said at the start of the programme. Um, it was hope more than expectation, I think. And you never know. He might be better against uh, Miami. The, the longer that he stays out there, the more reps and snaps that he gets... Uh, you would think the better he will he will become. Let's hope so. Yeah, a couple of things I want to touch on for me is, and you mentioned this earlier, and I couldn't agree with it more. Is the gap between Burrow and Allen is gigantic, and Burrow's quality, I think, masks over a lot of problems because we've said before in the podcast. One week I'll look at that wide receiver group, and I think they're unbelievable. AJ yeah, Green. Yeah brilliant player t higgins fantastic player has shown so much this year and obviously tyler boyd very very arguably one of the best if not the best uh slot wide receiver in the nfl alden tate's behind them he's a good player etc they're a good group we we're lucky to have them and then another week i'll be like god aj green looks like he's completely lost it boyd's a good player higgins is a good player we can't stretch the field and I think that was really shown yesterday. I mean, 17 completions for 136 yards, very, very low yards uh, per completion. And we just can't hit those deep balls this year. And I think when Joe Burrow is so accurate, he can thread those balls into tight windows. He's, he's mobile. He can get out of the pocket and cause some separation and some mismatches and allow the players to develop a bit more. But with someone like Brandon Allen, who's not got that same ability, he's not got the same level as, uh, of accuracy as Joe Burrow, I think it does magnify at times that we lack speed on that wide receiver group. Um, that was one thing for me. And I think, I don't think any Bengals fan will sit there and say, you know, if Joe Burrow was healthy and he was out there yesterday, every Bengals fan will say, we'd have won that game. We'd have won last week. We were on a run. And that's the worrying part for me is that 
we don't want to be a one-man team. You, if Joe Burrow is an incredible player, and we're very lucky to have him, and if he comes back healthy, we'll be on a very, very good run for the next few years. But there shouldn't be that big a, a regression. You need, you know, the defense, like you said, defense played all right. You give up 19 points to a bad team, meh, it's all right. I thought they played okay. Obviously, half the game yesterday is against Colt McCoy, so maybe he flatters them slightly. But special teams played well. But, the, I mean, you know, when your quarterback goes down, you expect a bit of a regression. But it, at home against the Giants, to only score, what, 10 points, put up about less than 200 yards on offense, it, it's worrying that there's that big a drop-off. And for me, that was something that, if you're looking at the coaching staff and you're evaluating at the end of the season, where have we got... That's not what you want to see. You look around the league and you've got someone like Nick Mullins um, and the 49ers with 13 players on IR winning on the road against the LA Rams. Incredible. Miami are flexing between Tua and um, Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. They're 7-4. and four. They're probably going to make the playoffs. We're not asking as Bengals fans to be in the playoffs this year. We're not asking to be, you know, be knocking the Rams off on the road, but... The Giants aren't a good team, and I can't express that enough. They've not won a game outside their division, which is universally considered the worst in football this year. They've won two games against the football team, one against Dallas, and now they've just come into our home territory and turned us over. And to me, that's a, a big, the biggest concern that came out yesterday was there was a huge drop-off yesterday, and that game was winnable. I, I really, even with Brandon well, we Allen, should, Well, we should have won. I mean, yeah, exactly. even though, I mean, as you mentioned the stats, <laughs> Tyreek Hill had over 200 yards receiving in the first quarter uh, <laughs> against the Bucks yesterday. It's like watching a different game, isn't it? I it watched is, that Chiefs it game, and it just at the end, they're just throwing the ball, trying to run the clock. They're not even running it. It's just so confident. Um, it is like watching a different game. It's yeah. like you've put on a different sport. I mean, my big worry um, is, I agree, um, and it was a worry for me, actually, to begin with, putting all the eggs in the burrow basket, basically, uh, which kind of needed to happen. Let's face it, we needed a new quarterback after getting rid of Dalton. And Joe Burrow has been terrific, let's face it. And it's such a shame, but we won't dwell on that because we just make ourselves upset again. Uh, what, what You made a really good point, again, quite surprising, but you did make a good point there. That, that um, Cheers, my son. Yeah, sorry. Um, I've forgotten it now. What was the point that you made? No, I'm joking. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically, you know, go to San Francisco where they've, like, had, you know, 13 guys on IR. The most, I think there is a stat saying they're the most injured team in NFL history or something like that. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. Um, see, you only get the cold, hard facts on this uh, podcast. <laughs> don't fact check us. <laughs> please don't. No, please don't fact check this podcast. Um, so, basically... You know, as you say, Mullins is the. That says to me, there's some good coaching going on. There's some right good coaching going on there in San Francisco with Shanahan and his lot, and uh, also that the scheme uh, is cast iron. And you take players out of it, and you can slot players in. They know exactly what they're doing. The scheme is so, as I say, cast iron and in there that you know, no matter what player comes in or out, that scheme continues to roll. And we've seen that happen in New England for 20 years, you know. Yeah. Bill Belichick has never really prided himself on signing big star names. You know, he slots kind of third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders in there and they, they're intelligent players and can do a job. 
that's my biggest worry that the scheme isn't cast iron enough and um and I'm afraid that's on Zach. Yeah, and it's on it's on Duke Tobin and the staff in the front office in terms of the backup quarterback because you can sit there and say, well, you know, Nick Mullins is a better quarterback than Brandon Allen. Nick Mullins was undrafted two years ago. Mm. He's not some prime guy like you, you potentially consider like a prime backup like Andy Dalton, who has been a starter in this league for a long time, or someone like Ryan Tannehill, who's stepped in in a backup role and done well, or a Nick Foles type of quarterback. This is a guy that was undrafted, hasn't played a lot of football, and is coming in winning games. If we're going into a season with Ryan Finley as our backup, he needs to be as good as that. He needs to be at least what the Bengals would consider to be a middle of the pack to lower middle of the pack at the absolute worst to come in. And Joe Burrow's a rookie with no preseason. There was a lot of head scratching around the around the Bengals fans to say, look, are we not going to get a, a guy with a bit more experience in here, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type person, smart veteran, been around the league, if he needed to come in, could play at a very, very sort of basic level, but could command an offense, knows how to run a two-minute drill, has got an arm on him, not going to light it up, but will be a serviceable replacement. It, with every respect to Brandon Allen, he is the sort of guy that's going to be battling for that third role on most teams around the NFL, if he's lucky. I just think to throw him in is not a great state for the Bengals, really, especially on the, the judgment and the coaching evaluation of Ryan Finley, to be going into the season saying, this guy, we've seen enough here, we saw enough last year that he's competent enough to be the backup, and then to can him after half a game, to me, that is, at, the, at best, is questionable judgment and handling of a situation like that. Yeah. And I, I really do want Zach to succeed, and I still want him to succeed. Um, I do think he's got five games to save his job uh, in most organisations, but this is not most organisations. So I wouldn't be surprised if Zach's here next year, and I will be behind him because I like the guy, and I think he does have talent. I think there does need to be a shake-up, though, somewhere. Someone's going to be the four guy, or four people, uh, I think, for this year's effort but you look at it though you look at it objectively and you know that phrase unmitigated disaster I'm not going to use that phrase for Zach Taylor's tenure in Cincinnati so far I am going to use the phrase mitigated disaster because you know we are well on the way to just you know, four wins in 32 games and a tie you know and that's that's really not great at all. and uh, But I do use the word mitigated because so much stuff has happened that that I don't think a lot of NFL coaches have to deal with, really. And, um, you know, you look right from the, bat, from the, from the get-go when he came in late, no fault of his own, but he came in, had to, couldn't come in until after the Super Bowl when he was with the Rams. You know, that all his coach, uh, coaching hires were late, so he kind of went with guys that he knew quite naturally. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Uh, then AJ Green went down injured. And then th from that moment onwards, you know, you can just list all the injuries. I don't think we've ever seen a team as injured. Well, you know, obviously with the 49 except for the 49ers this year. But a Bengals team, I don't think we've ever seen a Bengals team so injured as last year. So last year was a struggle. And uh, this year, you know, you've got the Carlos Dunlap situation. You're, you've got Geno Atkins, who got injured in training camp and is, is half the player that he was, perhaps even a quarter of the player that he was. AJ Green, again, injured again. 
a quarter of the player. You know, these are your big game, big name players who we thought were going to step up and and do the business. And Dunlap, Atkins, and Green have been nowhere near that. Absolutely nowhere near that. Um, so I agree, you know, I, agree I, I to think, an extent. I think I it's think that... tough for him. I think it has been tough for him. But you know, yeah. there were some things that I, you know, like last night, I was left shaking and shaking my head. Yes, and scratching my head as well. I think the one man's name that you need to look at when you're comparing Zach Taylor is Marvin Lewis. And you look at Marvin Lewis, he had 16 years with this team. We, we know the playoff conversation. He didn't win a game. We all know that very well. But in his 16 years at the Bengals, he only won less than six games in a season twice. Yeah, yeah. So only two years out of 16 are we f- of what five wins or less, which is pretty incredible. And <laughs> you look at Marvin, and he went through so many transitions. He had Carson Palmer leave on him. He was playing Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, a rookie second-rounder, and Andy Dalton as his quarterback with um, A.J. Green took him to the playoffs. I'm not saying Marvin's a world-class coach, but we only finished bottom of that division twice in Marvin's 16 years. We're going to finish bottom of this division twice in two years under Zach Taylor. And Marvin had injuries. We know it all too well. There was a lot of misfortune going into the playoffs with, you know, quarterbacks getting injured, Carson Palmer's knee. You could name it all. But with Marvin, you'd look at the playoff games. There were some rough rides there that we had to play McCarron and John Kittner in those games when it really mattered. But every team around the league's got injuries. Every team around the league has got problems. I, I sympathise with Zach coming in late inheriting a lot of old players. I don't think the Bengals really knew last year whether they were trying to contend or not. A few people talked about it being a rebuild. A few people, I remember we had Paul Dana on this podcast, who said, no, I think they're looking for a bit of rejuvenation here to compete in year one. Mm. Obviously, with a lot of the injuries and stuff, that was quite quickly derailed. But I just think we've we've said it every single time, it's progress. And you look around the league at the coaches that have been fired so far. Matt Patricia's gone. Bill O'Brien's gone. You look at, realistically, Adam Gase is, you know, he's going to be yeah. gone any day, you'd imagine. Doug if Marone, they were, if they the were our head coaches who have been canned by other teams, if they were our head coach for the last year and 11 games, would they be seriously any worse off than four wins? And I, the answer to me is I reckon Bill O'Brien, whatever you think of him, I think he'd have a, certainly more than four wins. I don't know about Case, to be honest. But, no, no you way. Know, he, he's taken a team <laughs> to the playoffs in the past. Would he be worse than four wins with Andy Dorn as his starting quarterback and Joe Burrow for 10 games as his starting quarterback? I don't know. But there's not much bottom below it. There's not much worse than four games in nearly two seasons is going to get you. So... For me, I look at that. Matt Patricia, again, didn't do well with the Lions, but he's got a better record than Taylor in this situation in Cincinnati with the talent we've got. Would he be worse off than four wins? I don't know. But these are all terrible examples of coaches we don't want. Yeah. You look around the league at better examples of people that could be available. Joe Brady's, um, Jim Harbaugh, I'm just throwing some names out there, Eric Bieniemy, all these guys that you are going to be like talked about for head coaching roles. Would they be better off than what we've achieved with Zach? I don't know. But I think that the question with five games to go, Zach can save his job. He can win three or four out of these last five, really have a bit of a dead cat bounce and show that this team is fighting around him and that he can figure out how to win some of these tight games against some decent teams. You've got to play the Texans, the Steelers and the Ravens. It's going to be difficult. You've got to go into Miami. You were seven and four, as we said earlier. So, Difficult. If he can win a couple of those games, I think fair enough. Certainly for me, I'd say give him another role. Give him another role. 
see how he gets on. Hopefully Burrow's back. Fair play to the geezer. But if he can't muster a win in these last five or even just one win, I, I've really, I have a hard time convincing myself why it would be a good reason to bring him back. And yet yesterday I, I saw lots of players making mistakes yesterday. Now, is that coaching or is that players just not having the right com- concentration on the pitch? Players not having the the right level of quality. Uh, I think we do sometimes kid ourselves that we've got more talent on this team that is actually there. Um, I think that's a very fair point. Um, you know, I think Tyler Boyd is fantastic. We all love Tyler. He dropped a critical catch yesterday. Uh, you know, Drew Sample is starting to come on a little bit. Fumbled yesterday. Uh, and yet there is, ta- you, there is talent on this team. Jesse Bates still looked good. Uh, Von Bale's been playing better and made an amazing, uh, you know, play yesterday when he caused that fumble and just quick as a flash. What was that? What was that phrase that Kevin Harlan used to use? Quick as a hiccup. That's it. Quick as a hiccup. He <laughs> he picked up. He picked it up and and that, that was just that boggled my mind. That did. That was an incredible play. Um, so you know, things are happening. There is talent on that team, but I I, I do wonder whether we think there's more than we. You know, Bengals homers think there is, and that's it's hard to hard to kind of come to that realization. Really, um, it's tough. It is really tough, and you know, there's a lot of anger. I'm not part of the pitchfork wielding mob. I have to say, I, and, I could see you have a pitchfork, son. You know, yeah, but that's just you know when I'm down and on the allotment. Um, but it's <laughs> if I had an allotment, I don't have an allotment, by the way. If you had an allotment, what sort of stuff would you be uh, harvesting? Good question. On I don't know. Um, I, I do. My brother got an allotment some years ago, and I got sort of I almost went halves on it. But then I just saw how much hard work it was, and I thought, sod this. This looks like too much hard work. Because you have any idea how much hard work you have to put just planting stuff and it's ripping all arranged, stuff. Though, it's organic vegetables, son. You could be selling them for a fortune to the local organic shop. You say I'm some sort of Dell boy. Uh, figure selling stuff out the alarm. No, but I quite like the idea of making a little shed where I could just sit around and drink uh, lovely, lovely drinks in, surrounded by fairy lights and kind of little bonfires and things like that. But that's not really planting. To answer your question, I think I'd, uh, I think some sort of greens, you know, lots of yeah. mem- lots of members of the Brassica family. So, oh, look at you! You have to get the word Brass. Brassica on this podcast. <laughs> it never never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, you know, some broccoli, some cabbage, some uh <laughs> don't know, maybe some some fruits as well. I think I'd I'd, I'd set up some fruits going on. A nice there. orchard. Yeah, like a mini orchard, <laughs> I think. A orchard. What about you? Have you ever thought about we're drug, we're obviously digressing here because it's far too painful to talk about the Bengals at the moment. Um I'd maybe have some strawberries and raspberries yeah. knocking about. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd like Quite that. like some raspberries. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, maybe some potatoes. Quite funny digging them up, isn't it? Like, <laughs> no. What do you mean, quite funny digging them well, up? I don't know, it's just like, what? Look at this. And like, like potatoes <laughs> in the ground. Like, brings me back to my youth. Is that what you used to do when you were a kid? Yeah, I used to quite enjoy that. Yeah. But, um, anyway. Yes, um, I don't five know. Five games to go. Five games to go. Yes. 
what do you want to see from this team? Like, what are you, obviously you want to, are you looking for wins? Are you looking for them to play better? If you're looking at some KPIs between now and the end oh of the year. Oh my God, so this is like a job interview. An appraisal, yeah, well, yeah, but is this a Bengal what? job appraisal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking, I'm Mike Brown here talking to Zach. But okay. what are you wanting to see? Because obviously I don't want to put you on the spot too much with Zach because we're going to talk about that at the end of the season. But what do you want to see that's going to instill confidence in you that we're heading in the right direction and that we're not just an absolute shit show? A sound, clear uh, mind when it comes to game planning and and scheme, I think. Um, but unfortunately... So... What, does, what does that look like, though? Because I, I know what you mean, but what does that translate to on the field? Well, just just kind of uh, making some plays and moving the sticks, basically. That's what it... That, that's to me how you quantify uh, an offense that is is in sync and knows what it's doing uh, knows what it, its its purpose is uh, which sounds ridiculous but the trouble is now burrows because we were seeing that when burrow was in the game you know what i mean uh, and now i don't i think it's really difficult to to quantify and to judge a team with you know, a third string, let's face it, quarterback at the helm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's really difficult. I have no idea, frankly. I mean, they did show what I wanted them to show yesterday, which was fight and passion. That's the kind of very minimum that you expect in any professional sports team, right? Whatever it's been through. And I take my hat off to the guys yesterday. They really dug deep and, and, and tried their best. But, you know, we've just got to face it. The quality is not there. And if the quality isn't isn't there, then the coaching's got to be there. And, uh, you know, to get the best out of what they've got. And I'm, I'm on the fence at the moment whether that is happening or not. Um... What do I want to see going forward? I, I, this is so bad. Like you said, tuning into Kansas City, you're just kind of making ridiculous play after ridiculous play. And I know seeing someone, I don't know, not even, it's unfair to say Aaron Rodgers because he's a future Hall of Famer. We're not talking future Hall of Famers last night. You know, even dare I say it, Cleveland are winning games. That's what you want. Yeah. Stefanski's come in and yeah. moulded a team where before it was a group of, really unpleasant individuals um and now they're a team playing for each other and they're together and there's a scheme that really works and really suits suits their players i think cleveland and you also let's use miami you know flores has come in and done an absolutely terrific job um and again i'm no lover of the dolphins at all but you've got to take your hat off to to what he's done to that defense, and he's, you know, the offense is doing enough to win games. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of sick and tired of other teams somehow making progress and strides. Because, I mean, ultimately, progress is winning games. I just don't think we've got enough in the tank mentally and quality-wise to to kind of get any more wins this season i mean please prove me wrong i I desperately want to be wrong about that but once you're on this downward spiral it's very difficult to see any positives and i will say that i do think there is talent on the team you know jesse bates playing great von vale playing better love geo you know mixing's out but when he comes in you know he's a good player t higgins carries on scoring touchdowns surely uh, the off well apart from Joe Joe Boyd the offensive 
um, success story of the year. I like Logan Logan Wilson. There's lots of things there, lots of talented players there uh, that can be a really good nucleus going forward. But uh, I don't know, don't know. Don't know, don't know, don't know. Don't I think know. the one the one thing, if we're going to be, we've been a bit more negative than usual tonight, but I'm going to say one positive thing that the Bengals have done very well is if you look at that draft they've just had, there looks like a lot of contributors there and not many potential duds. Burrow and T. Higgins, we know. Logan Wilson, I've been impressed with, especially in his rookie season. And, you know, when we had CJ armor on the podcast, he picked him out as the one guy he really felt That's right, was yeah. going to be a very good player. Akeem Davis-Gaither has been fairly okay. Again, you know, a fourth-round rookie starting. It's going to take him some time to develop. But the fact he's already contributing is positive. Adenergy, you know, for him, he's already had a bit of action as a late-round rookie. So there, there's some good players. You're not going to hit on every single pick, but there's already guys that have got some game time, have shown us a little bit, and that's the thing to cling on to. A very solid draft class after we've had a few bad ones. So that's the one thing to be excited about. Whatever happens next year with the coaching staff or whatever, those guys will have a year more experience under their belt and should only get better. And they're already, for a rookie season in a bad team, doing quite well. So that's the one thing that I would sort of cling on to as a positive that we've seen so far. I agree. And also, you know, DJ Reader comes back. Yeah. Uh, Trey Waynes, uh, we finally get to see them properly. Although, you know, who knows, hopefully, you, might, you know, he may well be back before the end of the season so we can take a look at him. Um, CJ is back. Who else is out for the season? Uh, and of course, Wixen. and of course, Joe Burrow will be back as well. Who else? Mm. How could I forget Joe Burrow? So there's plenty of stuff to remain positive about. Um, the in- I mean, just just to touch on the injuries, we have. I mean, the injuries are brutal. You look at that, and you just listed off a whole ream of players that have been injured that are very very good players. Gino's been injured; he's not been himself. Um, obviously, Borough. I mean, it, it is brutal. But I mean, we've injuries have been a problem now for three years consistently. Where at the end of the season, we've almost said, "Look, don't even judge us because it's that bad." Yeah. But, there comes a point. Where, what can we do here? Like, yeah. is, is it? I mean, I'm not pointing any fingers at conditioning staff or the pitch or anything. But at a certain point, it's like, well, how can we address this? Yeah, I know. It's, we didn't even have a preseason this year. You, you know, there wasn't like, loads well, of guys getting their teeth knocked out in the preseason, or people like AJ Green in training camp busting mm. his ankle and stuff. It was a very, very limited camp. No preseason games, and maybe, maybe that, ball, maybe that's the reason for these well, injuries yeah, this year. Maybe. I mean. I do find that um, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, the coaching staff. You know, if you're against them and they do something like, like, for instance, pick Brandon Allen, the amount of people, instead of sort of seeing that as a positive and say, look, okay, well, they've they've evaluated him in practice and they they think that he's the best guy to, you know, to, to quarterback this team. Fair enough. You know, not a lot of people said that. A lot of people were saying... Well, why did they draft? Why did they trade up to get Ryan Finley then? That's an indictment on the coaching staff, and it's like, well, is it? I don't know. They're just making a call for right now, you know. And sometimes teams get it wrong. And do you know what I mean? It's like whatever they do, I think they'll be criticised for. Um, I do think some changes need to be made uh, at the end of the season. What those changes? I, you know, we'll talk about that later on in the year, I think, but. Um, yeah, yeah I, it's going I to be a tough agree. watch these last five games. Let's let's put it mildly. So, yeah, just just to sort of 
say one last point on it. For me, what I want to see is wins and nothing else. I don't care really anymore about progressions and people coming on or any progress. I just want to see wins. Zach Taylor's talked a fantastic game for nearly two years. We've had Zach on the podcast. We've met him in person. He's a lovely bloke by all accounts. He's a young guy. He's learning. He's been put into a difficult environment. I've got no doubt about that. He, he may well be a very good coach in the future, but he's talked a good game and he's trying to stick up for his team in those interviews. So I've got some respect for him there. You know, he talks around it. He tries to sort of, he doesn't ever want to throw any guys under the bus. There's a lot of respect there, but he's got to win games. The proof is in the pudding. There's a lot of excuses. There's a lot of reasons why potentially it is the way it is, but ultimately he has, has to win these games. He's got to win a game when we play badly. He's got that, you know, that wins come in all forms. They don't, you don't have to play a perfect game to win a game. And I think for us, there's some tough games coming up, but we've got chances. We can win those games. Dallas are not a good team. Miami are, I mean, they're all right. They're not bad. They're pretty good. They're, we can win these games. There's upsets every week in the NFL. And I think with the team he's got there, it's not amazing. It's a depleted team, but I have to see wins before the end of the season. And if I don't, I, I can't. For me, I can't justify the return, but it ha- there has to be some wins. <clears throat> I, I mean, they were so close to winning yesterday, even with Brandon Allen, even with uh, you know not the greatest performance, even in a statistically lopsided stat sheet. Do you know what I mean? Uh, we had a chance to win that game yesterday, and do you know what? I was watching that game, and I went into it with super low expectations, and I was actually quite enjoying it. I was quite enjoying seeing Daniel Jones. Play. I was really impressed with their running back. What was his name? Gorman, is it? Gorman? Yeah, Wayne Gorman. He, He's he's got a, a bit tough of... little lad, he is. He really runs hard. I was quite enjoying seeing him play. Uh, I was enjoying seeing Von Bell make plays and Jesse Bates and, uh, you know... Um, I can imagine you in your shed at the moment with the fairy lights on <laughs> and a can of lager enjoying this. But then by the third quarter, I was like, oh, my God, this is like watching pulling <laughs> teeth, man. This is just, oh, God, excruciating. And then suddenly that ridiculous last couple of minutes when you kind of thought the Giants had, had kind of made that third town so they could run out the clock. And then, I mean, they even had that, that. I mean, you're right, they were a bad team. Even then they had that holding penalty. Then we got the ball back. Then Alex Erickson kind of ran it back to almost midfield. And you think, right, 15 yards, check it down. Easy peasy. Yeah. And then... Disaster. I was I was, I was tweeting at, at I was the time. Really, I was like, Jesus, really Alex Erickson, like all that criticism and you think, Blimey, like we're probably gonna win this. Like, can you believe it? You know? And then just as I was about to hit send, the fumble happened. Oh. But Ah uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was absolutely gutted. In fact I've yeah, I've so not, was I. I've so not was I. been as gutted. After all that I was taking it nice and easy during the game. And that I was reeled in, and suddenly it was just like, "Come on, come on, come on, Sokol, you can yeah. do this. This would be brilliant for Zach. Yeah, this absolutely. would be brilliant for the team. Winning absolutely. after playing Paul so poorly on offense, and yeah. with a third-string quarterback, we could win this game." And it's like, "Oh yeah. no, no, yeah. Jesus, come on, something good has to happen sometime, please." Yeah. And it certainly didn't, but there we go. Um, shall we go? As I say, there's no guest this week. We will have a guest next week. Um, uh, we thought we'd just kind of rant a bit in this uh, in this episode. <laughs> it's always good for the soul, a rant now and again. Uh, I although feel I fantastic now. Although I don't think we've ranted. I think, again, we've rationally ranted, I think. Um, 
We just want to see some wins, don't we? And that's all we're sitting here saying. If we win a load of more games for the end of the year, fine. We're going to be happy. We're going to be behind now, that. We're yeah, not, but we're you not, say no, that. Not... You say that, Nathan. But a lot of people will be screaming at you saying, well, no, we don't want wins because we want, we want Penny Sewell. And, of course, <laughs> yes, I, I called him Penny last week, and I'm going to keep calling him Penny. Uh, a lot of people want to plunge for Penny. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what I think about but that, really. There's two different... Uh, last year was easier than this, because last year... We desperately needed a quarterback, right? Yeah, and you, you felt bad for Zach. It had been a bit of a mess. It was his first year. You, you were always going to give him a second year. There was only a handful of Bengals fans, I think, that wanted him gone at the end of last year. And this year's different. I mean, I'm thinking about Zach here first. I, the, I, I really don't like the whole tank get the best pick thing. No, I just don't really want to sort of talk about that again this season. It's just not a very nice way to do things. But for Zach's sake and the future of him coaching this team, which is bigger than any of the difference between getting a third or a fifth or a sixth or a seventh position pick in the first round, the future of the coaching of this team is imperative to whether or not we win a Super Bowl, we can compete for a Super Bowl in the next five years or so. And I'm really... The jury is so out on Zach. If you, I mean, we, you know, we might be 80, 90% wanting him out, probably I would say across the fan base. But I would say that the odds of him being there next season are probably better than 50% with the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I want to see what he's got. Because if he's going to be our coach next year for year three, I mean, for me, that's what I want to see. That's what I'm interested in these last five games. It's not just tanking so oh, we can get a third pick instead of a fourth or fifth. So... Yeah, I just I don't want to sit there and want will my team to losses two years in a row for seven, eight, you know, games a season. It's just not a nice way to do things. So for me, I want to see what Zach can do. I want him to see if he can save his job. I hope he can. I hope we win some games. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, let's go to our correspondence show. I say no guests, no funny stuff, no jingles, no 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 silly games or anything. <laughs> it's straight down the line tonight. Yeah, we're back to normal next week. I promise. Even if we lose horribly, it's be back because it's Christmas. It's almost Christmas, Nathan. Um, Donny at Ippy Don. I don't know what I've done in wrong in life to end up supporting the Bengals in Ipswich Town. Why do I get my hopes up? Oh well, on to next week. That's the attitude, Donny. Come go on, on the tractor boys. Go on the tractor boys, indeed. Uh, Nick Parker at Big Parks 71. Solid handle. Uh, he says, I am so against us tanking this season. I want to win. And I wanted Randy the Inconsistent to clinch it with that kick. No tanking. Hashtag no tanking. Optim- no, sorry. Hashtag no tanking. Hashtag optimism. Uh, good on you, uh, Nick. Um, Nigel Granger at Fleet underscore risk. Um, we have to do so much better. Another loss by a small margin. This has to sit with the coaches. We need to be more aggressive with our play clawing. There's me earlier saying that we, we need to be more conservative. See, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. With Alan in today, I'd have called a direct snap to Geo or a flea flicker. Just something to shake it up. I think there is merit. And he also says, Nigel, let's see what the Broncos do without a QB. I think we all saw what happened with the Broncos without a QB. If they score more than 17 points, Zach Taylor should be very embarrassed. Well, they didn't, uh, Nigel. They <laughs> they scored three. They looked like a complete mess by the uh, by the looks of it. Uh, Eric Waddle at Bearcat Vol. Um, they hurt me. Is Eric's message there? Warrior. No, hold on. Let's, no, we're going to come to Warrior in a minute. <laughs> what did this Eric say? They hurt me. 
Uh, yeah, Eric just uh, just said, oh, they hurt <laughs> That's me. possibly the saddest bit of correspondence we've had on this podcast. It's just short but sweet and very painful. This is funny. Uh, I've just seen this. We got a message from Clark Harris, who, of course, we had that... Um, uh, fake punt last night which was fun for a, a millisecond and then you realise the context in, in which uh, it, it happened um, I thought Clark Harris did a tremendous job angling that punt directly to Sean Williams so I said Clark Harris ladies and gentlemen and um, <laughs> and then someone called e- Excremental uh, Diaz says kind, Solid handle. <laughs> kind of feel bad for cutting him every year in Madden for the cap space. And dear old Clark got back and said, don't feel bad, I cut myself. Oh, Clark, you're a pro bowl long snapper, mate, and you're a hero to us. Um, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. Right now, are we the worst team in the league? I'd say no, but we're not far behind the New York Jets, are we? No, we're not the worst. The Jets and I think the Jags are worse than us. Killian at Killian underscore uh, double zero um, did all we could with a backup QB. Wasn't pretty, but we hung in there, made a good stab at a comeback near the end. Offensive had a good drive. Defense made a great start, put us in a position to win. But in the end, shit happens. That's very pragmatic of you, uh, Killian. Well done. Uh, Dreams of witness at D witness. Uh, difficult to know where to start, but I know I want this to end. Watching a ZT interview is getting increasingly difficult. They had nothing, nothing on offense. Without special teams and massive penalties from the G-men, no way are we in that game. The O is all on ZT. End this. Uh, Jamie at Trequart Beaster, we're not going to win anything, so why not see... What we have on the roster. Instead, Zach Taylor trots out Redmond and Hart and poor Brandon Allen is hung out to dry. Darren Simmons is head coach until the end of the season. At least my Chinese takeout was good last night. Um been enjoying the old Chinese takeouts in the last sort of the last month or so. Been quite enjoyed just to completely off topic again, but mm. normally not a big fan of Chinese really. Mm. I, as a vegetarian, it's not the most exciting thing in the uh, world, uh. but you've been enjoying it a bit recently. So, yeah, good to hear that Jamie's having a good a good takeaway as well. <laughs> yeah. Stuart Davis at Stu Davis. He's changed his handle, which is disappointing because it was Dutch Bath earlier on and I like that it's one a, lo- a massive loss of a solid handle there exactly let's all let's all mourn the solid handle of Stu Stu's solid handle uh, time to end this madness now or risk repeating a Dave Shuler style five years wilderness project that sets us even further back no genuine way um, we ever look like even making an 8-8 eight and eight season which is where we should be two years into a rebuild very sad times after so much hope for change. Um, I agree that um, it is, I agree with Stuart actually, the one thing I didn't mention, but I have mentioned on this podcast before, it's starting to smell a little bit like the early 90s. This is, it really is. That's my big worry. I know I've got quite a lot of big worries, but that's one of my big worries, I think, that it's starting to smell a little bit. It's a really rotting, eggy, early 90s smell. Don't like it. 
Well, if it, five years in a row now, it's going to be the fifth year we've not won, had a winning season. I think it does start to sort of creep up on you a bit, doesn't it? Because whatever happens next year, if you get a new coach in, you've got to start again and stuff. And I think, obviously, we won't we won't be in the nineties or anything similar if Joe Burrow's back and he plays well and he's healthy. There's no Burrow is that good. Doesn't matter who's coaching this team. We could have Adam Gase coaching this team. No. We probably we long term we'd win a decent amount of games. He's that good, Joe Burrow. So. I don't think we have to worry about that if he's there, but I completely, I completely hear hear the point after the last, you know, four or five years. Memphis Soul Stewart, Stuart Baird, six eight eight. Some good individuals on that field. Didn't seem to be a team out there. QB seemed to be on a different page to everyone else. Uh, well, I, I guess he kind of was Stu, wasn't he? I mean, he's only had a week. Let's see where he is uh, after this week, this coming week, and the week after. Uh, Pete Danswell at Dadders. Uh, with the run game stuffed and a QB unable to move the sticks, disappointing to see little inventiveness. Few, if any, reverses. No trick plays by the O. Why not go wildcat a few times? A flea f- flicker. A direct snap to the running back. Ericsson tossing one. Mix it up. Keep the D on their toes. Again, I would have perhaps gone more conservative to begin with, but there we go. What do I know? Ken Davies at Ken Davies. Given the way this team is playing, we're unlikely to win another game this season, so unlikely that Zach will lead the team into another season. Would it be better to appoint a new head coach now to let them see what they have for a few games and where he needs to strengthen in the off-season? I'm going to build in Simon Hunter's at Simon Hunter underscore. Uh, question into that as well. What is the Bengals' rebuild in five steps? Separate answers, please. Um, Ooh, a bit of a project. I know. Um, to answer Ken's question, I'd probably speak for you here as well, Sam. But if I if I don't, then please tell me. I don't. There's no unless you want to give the job in in house to Darren Simmons, who'd be the only realistic candidate yeah, on the, I think that so. coaching staff. There's no reason to get rid of someone mid-season. You're not going to lure someone from the college ranks. You're certainly not going to lure away any promising coordinators that are out there, like the enemies or anyone like that. So to answer that question, I would say no. I think you give Zach his final five games, or potentially not his final five games, but give him those final five games of the season and then see what the situation is. We, As much as a guy is going to potentially learn a bit, there's not a realistic candidate out there unless it's Darren Simmons. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, but I think, you know, there is an argument that Darren is a ready-made uh, replacement if they did decide to get rid of Zach right now. I mean, for me personally, I think it would just cause too too much upheaval and there's just been so much upheaval and so much change and so much awful luck this year uh, with so many players out. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people say that that is the argument for getting rid of Zach right now. You know, it can't get any worse, right? Um, but I agree with Zach at the Zach at the helm for the last five games. At least there's there's something to fight for for him. Do you know what I mean? At least there's a there yeah. is a point to these last five games, and whether you like it or not, that is for Zach to save his job, you know. Um, it'd be it, Even for Darren Simmons, it'd be a horrible situation to inherit. If you just canned him mid-season and said, go on, son, like, see what you got to the end of the season, how could he implement anything? I mean, it, it's so difficult, isn't it? I, it? It just, to me, it's like, just let it right. We're so close to the end of the season here. The quarterback's gone down. 
I just don't think it would be smart. But then you look at what's going on in Atlanta. That's the only reason yeah, there'd be yeah. an argument either way. What they're doing is rather spectacular around how they've been able to turn that around. So, yeah, I wouldn't do it, but you can obviously look around the league and yeah. it has there is, there is a bounce. There is a bit of a bounce sometimes, isn't there, when you replace a coach mid-season. Certainly in our football, you know, gridiron is a little bit different, isn't it? It's not just sort of 11 guys on a field. It's it's a 53-man roster with with coordinators and all sorts of things going on. So... Um, I don't know, it's a tricky one. I'm sort of torn on that one, really. Um, Simon's question, what is the Bengals' rebuild in five steps? Well, you've got to look at... Do you want me to go first, son, or are you going to lead us off? Should we do... I don't think I've got five, actually, um, but I think I've got a couple. Maybe between us we've got five. So we do one each. Um, I've got five. Have you? Okay, well, let me do mine, then I might agree with yours and nick yours. Um, you need you need to be quite ruthless in the off season. You look at how Miami have rebuilt, right? Uh, they've still got a ton of picks. Jacksonville have got a ton of picks, and it's it would be unpopular, but it's about time they started trading off their sort of some of their assets, really. Um, and that's not going to happen, unfortunately, because you know William Jackson had trade value, Geno Atkins had trade value, Carlos Dunlap. Last year had trade value. Uh, AJ Green last year, no, well, the year before maybe had trade value. You know, you've got to be more ruthless at, at kind of accruing picks. You know what I mean? And I that's think, a really good point. I think that's a really re- good. Point. And you look at Miami; they traded the house. You know, Jacksonville traded loads of people, and the fans were. You know, those teams are being laughed at because they're tanking. They, they were right? trading young guys as well. They were training good thing. young yeah. players. And the fact, if you know, imagine if that happened here. People would go nuts, you know. If we traded away Jesse Bates for like a second yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think he might be worth a first, actually, at the moment. Jesse well, yeah, Bates. But you know what I mean? Be. But I, you know, people with value to, to get some, you know, what if, what if, what if. Well, here's, here's a question. Here's the thing. What if they traded Jonah Williams after drafting Penny Sewell? You know, that's the kind of super aggressive move to accrue more first round picks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just putting it's out there, I'm not necessarily agreeing. I just think they need to be more aggressive. Uh, secondly, I do think there needs to be shake up in the front office, if not in personnel, certainly in approach, um, which is kind of coupled, kind of married to the first. Uh, point I made really um, I think hire a new offensive line coach that's definite and I would also look at defensive coordinator as well um, that's kind of it at the moment and I'd ask me again at the end of the season there might be another coaching change in there as well but yeah I think one thing off the field that I would have said needed to be changed was there which is uh, Seems like a small thing, but I don't think it is. It's it's their kind of social media outreach, their their you know short form content, the way they interact with fans on social media to make them become a part of it. I think they've improved dramatically. Yeah, in, I that, agree. in that respect. So I would have said that a couple of years ago, but not this year. I think they've done a tremendous job. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got really. You just got to get somehow more quality into that team. I think your point about the 
the value of some of those players, if you maybe look back at when the off-season they brought Zach Taylor in, you'd have got some really good trade value on people like AJ Green, Carlos Dunlap, Gino Atkins. I mean, you'd have been talking second round picks at least, probably at the absolute worst and thirds, maybe even a first if you know you're thinking back to to maybe three years. But yeah, it's a really interesting point if you look back at that. And I think again, like you said, if the Bengals had done that back then, there'd have been a lot of people going a bit mad saying why well, you've given away these guys the loyal uh, players to the Bengals contributors still got years left in the tank but you know as you've seen with Miami I guess you know potentially that approach can work but my five-step plan really quickly I'm going to work on the basis that we don't win another game this season um, because it's you know it's, I'm not that's the only thing I can work on right now I'd clear house of the coaches I just think I would have a complete restart my second point is i build it around joe burrow i keep darren simmons i would he's been there throughout he's a very well respected coach around the league special teams always performs above average at average at the worst i would I retain him as a veteran head on the team um but i'd build it all around burrow um he would be my number one guy i'd get him to have a word with um you know have some input really sort of build that but the, the, the three the three other players i'd build around are t higgins jesse bates um, are the two guys that would obviously there and potentially Logan Wilson on defense as well. A young guy that's been highly touted, looks like he's doing quite well, he's around the ball. Build on those, those quality young players, um, build around them and sort of use those as those are the cornerstone pieces. I unfortunately, the third one, as well as the coaches, I think you've got to clear out, even if you're not going to get much for him. I, I don't think AJ should come back. I don't think Geno Atkins should come back. I don't think Giovanni Bernard should come back. And I love Gio. He's been one of my absolute favourite players. But he's earning $5 million a year, top 10 salary on the team. And he realistically every year is putting up four, 500 total yards max, maybe three touchdowns. It just doesn't match production. I love Gio. You know, I, I, he's been a, he's an absolute pro's pro. He's a talented player, but for whatever reason, whether it's the line, which, you know, there's a fair argument against that, or it's just the schemes or whatever else, I just don't think we're getting the value there. And we're moving towards a new young team. Uh, I think, unfortunately, there's people like that that get caught up in the transition period. The Bengals got a lot of money. My point four would be spending free agency. And it kind of leads into my fifth point. I would be spending in free agency and my draft picks on both trenches. Yeah. I'd be shoring yeah. up that offensive line. There's too many guys really even in the mix on the line at the moment. And I think there's a couple of guys you've got to cut your losses on if you don't think. If you don't think Mike Jordan's the guy, he's got to go. If you This this constant carousel with Alex Redmond, is he going to be the guy or not? Billy Price, you know, these guys are sort of in and out. Oh, they have one good week, one bad week, three bad weeks, two good weeks. I just think we need to settle on who is going to be on that line. Jonah's a definite, probably Trey Hopkins, potentially Quinton Spain. But all my money on free agency would be assigned to the trenches, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would 100% agree with you. We desperately need pass rush and we desperately need uh, upgrades. At the if we, if we are to keep Quinton Spain... Uh, which I hope we do. I think, and I hope throughout the rest of the season that we we can play him at left guard, his preferred position. Because again, that left hand side suddenly doesn't feel so bad. It's it's uh, you know, Jonah because he's not going to have a bad game every week. He's been he's been pretty good this year actually. I think Jonah Williams, uh, Jonah, Quinton Spain, Trey Hopkins. That's a pretty solid left hand side. Um, and then you've got to sort out the right hand side. Um, actually, I've thought of another one. We've got to sort, and this this is allied to uh, the trenches point. 
of course, we desperately need pass rush. We desperately, absolutely. Yeah. I think out of anywhere on the team, forget the offensive line even, because at least they perform at an average level sometimes. You know what I mean? What we desperately need, I think to me is number one need, is is a pass rush. Two pass rushes and some more stoutness on the inside. Yeah, I completely agree. It is a bit, and obviously Carl Lawson's out of contract, so you're gonna to have to pay a fair amount of money to keep him because there'll be a lot of teams I think that would quite like to add him to their pass rush rotation. You've got Sam Hubbard. I'd I'd, I'd be surprised if Gino's back, and obviously you've got DJ Reader, but it is quite bare. You know, the fact that we've got Margus Hunt on that line at the moment, um, with the greatest respect to Margus, is probably not where this line uh, defensive line should be so there's definitely there I think we need a couple of players to really shore that up um, I was also going to say we desperately need to get a running game going it's a bit it's been an absolute chore the last two years even though Mixon has you know got over a thousand last year we need some consistency run game because yep. I mean certainly this year it just has not happened at all has it um, well there we go there's, there's, there's more points than I thought we'd do. Martin Caledine. podcast in itself, I think, that question. I know. Uh, Martin Caledine at Ugly Game. He's finished. So the question is, does Duke Tobin need to go too? And would you be happy with Thomas Dimitrioff replacing him? Again, fair point about Duke, but, you know, one thing about the Brown family, they like consistency, they like continuity, they like the status quo, they're very conservative. Duke's, Duke is almost part of that family, you know. And again, five years ago, we were praising, uh, to use Nathan words, the geezer because he just drafted really well, and suddenly we were in the playoffs five years in a row. So that's not yeah, to defend the him last. The last draft's bang on as well. You look at that so far; it's been very good. It's hard with someone like Duke Tobin because you look at him and it, how much is it him? How, there's a lot of decision makers up there. Mike Brown's still going to have a say. You've got Katie Blackburn and Troy that are going to have a say on this stuff. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly um, certain things on him. I think he's had a good draft. There's, I think the free agency moves are good. I look at what I saw from DJ Reader. That was a great signing. Trey Wayne's obviously, we don't know yet. Mackenzie Alexander, I thought was a good pickup. So there were some good signings in free agency. I think you have to say that. So, with Duke, I don't know. It's harder to judge that. Um, but Thomas Dimitrioff, it's hard with those personnel groups that you'd have to. Yeah, think about I have that. to say I don't like Dimitrioff, and he is exactly the wrong sort of. Well, he's exactly the type of person I don't think Mike Brown would go for. He's kind of a flashy guy, isn't he? And um, I don't think that I don't think the Brown family works that well with those sort of guys. They like you know quiet, unassuming. Yeah, uh, kind of steadfast guys, you know, and that's not loyal to say... guys as well. I yeah, think that's no, that's things. not. They, to want, say... they, want, they want the loyalty reciprocated. I think at their end. Yeah, I don't think Thomas Dimitrov would be a good fit for no. this club at all, frankly. Uh, ben Wintle at Shabba underscore Dabba. Solid handle. After watching the Bengals without uplifting talent of Joey B, I think there are only three potential excuses and outcomes that need to happen. Only two of these, I believe, are possible, though. One, the players aren't good enough. Cut them and rebuild. Two, we haven't selected well in draft and free agency and the roster isn't deep enough. Fire the front office and rehire. Number three, we aren't getting the best out of our players. Fire the coaching staff and rehire. It's really that simple. (laughs) Well, I guess it is, but uh, it's not actually not quite that simple, I don't think. 
because I did uh, they did sign a bunch of free agents and some of them I, I have to say Mackenzie Alexander looks a good free agent signer. I thought I've been impressed with him this season when he's uh, been on the field. Warrior at Warrior Nate ninety nine. Solid handle. Do you guys want Zach to keep his job? If yes, give the listeners the reasons why he should keep his job. I do on a personal level. I like him. Uh, I want him to succeed. I think he has talent. Um, so, yes, I do want him to succeed. Uh, but, uh, you know, being a nice human and a likeable human doesn't uh, doesn't guarantee you wins. And as we've said throughout, I think his seat is very hot at the moment. Very hot. So... I'd like him to succeed, but uh, whether I think he will or not is a different question uh, indeed. And we've discussed Zach quite a lot this this uh, podcast, haven't we? Yeah, for me, it just comes down to the last five games. You're, I mean, he's a great guy, like Paul said. We've had the pleasure to like meet him and have him on this podcast. You always want someone to succeed when they're part of the team. I haven't been that pleased with the results, I'm sure we can all attest to. But I want to see these last five games. Like I said, he's got an opportunity if we don't win any games, it's going to be difficult to justify bringing him back. Uh, if he's able to get a few wins under his belt, we can look at it. I, it it's certainly not an ideal situation, though. Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Another close one lost. No hope of moving the ball on offence. Perhaps it's time to make a change at head coach. I'm lost with the narrative now. ZT's interviews don't fill me with confidence and nor do the mixed messages coming from the locker room. Seems to be a lot of disharmony. Uh, I think there probably is after um, losing every week, wouldn't you think? Um, yeah. ODAT, DZA, which areas that can be measured not directly attributable to Joe Burrow has the team improved under Zach and his staff? That's a very good question. I think we've already addressed that, haven't we? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Keith Dewey at Keith underscore Dewey. I never realised how much I enjoyed watching the Bengals with Joe Burrow until I watched the Bengals with Brandon Allen at quarterback. Poor Brandon Allen. And finally, I'll get you a Brandon Allen jersey for Christmas, Sam. That's right. Uh, at sorry, Matthew at uh, our underscore Matt. Not much to be said, really. Sunday just highlights how reliant we were on Joe Burrow to produce any offence whatsoever, which makes Zach and Jim's gambling with his health all the worse. I don't see us winning another game this year. Roll on 2021, hopefully with new coaches. So there we go. So much anger and rage and uh, Zach out. Um, Yeah, there we go. Not much to be said, really. Actually, we've gone over an hour and 10 minutes, which is more than I thought we would tonight. But uh, there we go. Um, we will be back next week, um, hopefully talking about an improved performance against the Dolphins. What do you think, Nathan, quickly about that game? I always think we've got a chance. The Dolphins are a growing side. They've obviously played some really good football. They're well coached. we got a chance. Um, obviously, it's going to be more difficult than the last couple of games, but... Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think obviously Brandon Allen. There's not any. We've not any guys coming back from injury just yet. I don't think. I think Trey Wayne's probably got another week or two. Um, I want to see him win. I don't like. I said I don't care what happens. I just want to see a win. But I think it's obviously going to be difficult. Yeah, I mean it's going to be difficult to um, better uh, offensive lines have had trouble with uh, Miami's patented zero blitz scheme so god knows how we're gonna fare next week but yeah i agree it is winnable i don't think the dolphins are a fantastic team i think they're maximizing what they've got uh in that roster and they've certainly had a great season and trending 
in the right direction so we'll have to wait and see um again we will be back next week with this podcast uh no doubt with a special guest uh we'll be back on sunday afternoon before the miami game with our online tailgate and we're recording this on monday the 30th of november and tomorrow will be the first of december and advent begins the countdown to christmas begins how exciting uh certainly we need a bit of sparkle after the year that everyone has had and uh, i'm delighted to say that our bengals uk advent calendar will be back which basically means every day you will see a bengals fan in the uk in a little video on your twitter and facebook feeds wishing you a very very merry christmas so do look out for those um but until then it is a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.